see. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the e-commerce paradise podcast. I have a special guest on the show today. Um, he's been doing high ticket drop shipping for quite some time now, and he's very successful with it. And I wanted to bring him on the show in order to talk about his success story and give you guys the best tips he has for growing your e-commerce business. Welcome to the podcast, Dylan. Hey, thanks for having me. Cool, man. So we first met in Chiang Mai, Thailand. It was uh, through a mutual friend in a mastermind group. And that was a lot of fun hanging out and talking e-commerce and stuff like that. And uh, can you talk about maybe what led you up to like traveling out to Chiang Mai, like how your entrepreneurial journey began and, and what led you into this uh, dropshipping world? Yeah. So um, right out of high school, I actually got a job working for an e-commerce company. Um, it was kind of random. One of my friends just hooked me up with it. Um, I just got along with everyone really well. It was still a startup and it was just really cool um, from the beginning. And it was kind of more of a dropship model. We were selling pool supplies online and um, just watched it grow. That introduced me to e-commerce. I didn't really even know what it was up until then. Um, and then kind of after a few years working there, decided I thought I could probably do it myself. And my boss at the time was really cool and helped me get started. And then kind of from there, I was doing it like as a side hustle, just doing it on the side and um, eventually was able to scale up enough to finally quit my job and then actually start making money. Um, but when I, uh, the company I worked for wasn't like a high ticket drop shipping. It was like the average order size was probably like 25 bucks. Um, but obviously I didn't want to have to sell a thousand orders a day. Um, so I just kind of started Googling around, listening to podcasts like Johnny, Johnny FD, um, e-commerce fuel, all kind of stuff like that. And just kind of picked a couple niches. The first, I want to say two or three didn't work, um, but then kind of got into one that started working and it's just been scaling that ever since. <laughs> awesome, man. And what, what made you decide to uh, go travel out to Thailand? What was that all about? Um, I, well, you know, with drop shipping and kind of all those e-commerce podcasts, Chiang Mai is like at the hub of it. And it was just my goal. Like I, I always wanted to go there. Um, and then when Johnny posted that thing on his Facebook to come out for that mastermind, um, that was really the deciding factor. I thought, you know, if he wants to do it, I'll book the ticket and then kind of just go from there. Yeah, it was a lot of fun hanging out and uh, masterminding all those times. There was a lot of ups and yeah. downs and stuff. It was kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was super fun though. <laughs> it was, yeah. I like Chiang Mai. I like Thailand a lot. Um, how long did you end up staying out there for? I was there for about a month um, and then I came back and I still had the intention to kind of finish the mastermind, but my store started kind of growing a little bit crazier and just didn't have enough time to focus on multiple stores. Cool, man. Well, that leads me right into my next question, which is all about, you know, your strategies for growth and how you've been able to excel with your store. Um, now, without mentioning your niche and everything, can you talk about some of those obstacles you had to overcome in the beginning and how you figured out how to scale your store? Yeah, so the first, I mean, I think the biggest obstacle is advertising profitably because um, it's just so competitive and you have to be really careful because you can spend thousands of dollars in one day on, on Google. Um, so it was really just um, starting with like 100 products and going through it every week, seeing which products were converting, if the price point was good, if they were still making money, um, and then just trying to drive more traffic to those products. Um, and just adding more products, just kind of, yeah, just I think adding more products and making sure that they're advertised profitably is like the most important thing. Cool. Um, where did you learn about advertising in the first place? Uh, courses, coaching, was it you paid somebody to set it up for you? 
Um, it was a lot through just my experience at my at the job I had. Um, so I had a rough, like vague understanding of it. Um, and then from that, it was just researching on blogs, listening to podcasts, um, all that kind of stuff. I didn't ever really pay or take any courses like that. It was just kind of researching. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, DIY kind of in a way. That's awesome. Yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> um, what, what's been your like major biggest, you know, 80, 20 kind of advertising channel? Is it Google AdWords, like shopping ads or is it different? Yeah, it's Google, Google shopping. Um, that's drives like 90% of traffic. Um, we have a couple text ads, but they don't really convert. It's more of just like a real high level kind of thing. Cool. Yeah. Um, so you, I'm assuming you have like all your email marketing, like Facebook retargeting ads set up like that. Are there, are there other channels, maybe even like free traffic channels that are outside the norm that you've explored that have you found success with? Um, honestly, most of my traffic is pretty traditional. Um, it is, you know, like you said, Google ads, um, Facebook retargeting, there's email marketing and, uh, also just like email sign up incentives, um, to give a percent off. And then you kind of, Get, you usually convert better and then you have their email forever. Um, but other than that, Bing um, shopping can be kind of good. Um, it's not going to have the same returns as Google really, but it's still worth it to be out there, I think. And the, the only one that's kind of weird, even though um, it's just kind of weird because it's the niche I'm in would be YouTube. Um, so a lot of manufacturers that do have videos of their products, I would suggest putting them up on your own YouTube channel and using that to put on your site. And then you can kind of drive traffic through YouTube, um, but it's not a whole lot. Cool. Yeah, I agree. I think that improves the conversion optimization of your website as well. Um, yeah. Can slow it down a little bit sometimes, but I think honestly, people love video and video and commerce combined mm -hmm. are really good. Do you do any of your own uh, like sales videos or anything like that? Or do you just mostly use the manufacturer's videos? Um, we've done two videos ourselves and those have been pretty good for us. Um, just because it, it mainly it's just, kind of summarizing the, the description and showing the product and angles that the pictures don't really capture. Right. Do you have like a process you go through to determine which products you're going to put more like advertising spend, more marketing spend, more time into promoting? Is it, is it like just breaking down like which end up being the best sellers, getting more clicks, more imp uh, impressions, or is it more like you ask your suppliers first and then you go from there? Do you have like a process that you've used that helps you scale more efficiently? Um, well, that's a, uh, Great question and interesting timing because before it was kind of just like finding the best sellers by going to like Overstock and huge websites like that and sorting them by best sellers. Um, but now we actually just onboarded um, a PPC management company that handles all of our AdWords. So they do a scrub um, of all basically user queries and then they use that to determine negative keywords to really just kind of reverse engineer and push the products that are converting really well and profitably and kind of might like subtract all the wasted spend. Um, so that's kind of, we're getting pretty scientific about which products to pump a lot of money into now. That's awesome. Do you mind sharing the name of that company that you're using? Yeah. The so they're called Omnitail um, and they, um, and I think their website's actually omnitail.net and they, um, they specialize in Google shopping. So they like kill it there. They're the only, one of the few companies I've seen that focus on profit to design their campaigns and that charge a flat monthly fee. They don't take a percentage of ad spend. So they've been killing it so far. 
That's cool. Yeah, I like that. I like that model. Sounds really good. So um, there's a lot that has to do with scaling a business. Obviously, it's not just like your ads. It's not just a little bit of marketing here and there. But um, when you're scaling, you run into usually a lot of growing pains. Like you have to deal with more customer support, more issues, and stuff like that. Have you found like a good system for dealing with customer service at a, at a higher level, <laughs> more more volume of customer service and stuff like that that works? Um, yeah. So customer service was probably the biggest obstacle I've ever had to deal with. Um, because I was doing everything myself and it just got kind of sloppy, especially um, the niche I'm in tends to have a lot of back orders. So it's following up with the same customers over and over again, just keeping them in the loop. Um, but the thing that I've really, obviously I suggest having a team in place or a system in place before you grow if you can, but not a lot of people can afford that. Um, but a, a big thing is just optimizing your inbox um, and sorting unread first obviously and then um, i use a tool called boomerang which connects to gmail and basically it'll just resend the email back to you whenever you decide like you can do two days or whatever just to make sure that you keep following up with that customer but other than that it's really just being there to answer the phone and reply to emails and uh just yeah that's that's pretty much it yeah, it's, it's pretty simple, I guess, when, you know, you just use Gmail and Shopify and stuff like that. Um, mm -hmm. Do you have any specific apps that you recommend for dealing with customer service? Um, maybe live chat or... Yeah, so we, uh, we use uh, Zendesk for all of our customer support. So it connects to live chat. It has a support like email that creates a ticket. And then our phones are actually through it too. So it rings through the computer and it combines all the tickets um, regardless of which channel. And then that's kind of easier too, because then it, it kicks off with an autoresponder when they first email, and then you can sort it by priority. You can assign it to a different team member, and it really just like, you can kind of assign it and just have one person following up with the same customer and then merge tickets and things like that. So Zendesk was like life-changing than going through, you know, a thousand emails just in Gmail. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Yeah, so Zendesk sounds really good. Um, I know I've used it in the past, tried to, um, been kind of back and forth on it. So it sounds like it's working for you, which is really, really cool. Um, having everything in one platform does sound really nice as well. I might think about yeah. trying that out. <laughs> yeah, it takes a lot of setup time, um, but it's worth it once that's done. Yeah, yeah, there's a little bit of onboarding. Um, so another thing that a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with with scaling is um, keeping track of the books, keeping track of the accounting and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. How do you handle that? Do you use QuickBooks Online? Do you use uh, an accountant? How do you uh, manage that? Yeah, so I do use QuickBooks Online and that makes it pretty easy because it connects to Shopify. Um, that's pretty much where we're at now is um, QuickBooks and then you can import your invoices and things like that. Um, that's, and that gives you, usually we have a rough understanding just based on our, our operating profit from that um, ad spend. But then it's factoring things like, you know, your lease, if you bought shipping supplies, payroll, things like that. So QuickBooks is definitely, I think, one of the easier platforms to use. Cool. So you don't use any kind of spreadsheets. It's all basically in, in QuickBooks. Yeah, I was using spreadsheets before, but it just got kind of messy. Um, I try to keep everything in QuickBooks now. Got it. Good to know. Yeah, I tried QuickBooks in the past and had mixed feelings about it with directly with dropshipping just because of how many transactions there are and you don't know exactly what mm -hmm. the fees were and stuff like that. But so you're, you're, you have good uh, uh, experience with it, sounds like. Yeah, and accounting still isn't where I want it to be. Um, I'd say it's like 70% there. Um, but it's kind of one of those struggles that I think is going to be there for a while until, um, until you just have enough time to really focus on it or hire someone to do it. Yeah, I hear you. 
Cool, man. Well, that's awesome. So uh, the next thing I want to talk about is content marketing. Um, a lot of you know e-commerce businesses know that it's really important to have content and commerce involved in each other. Um, what kind of ways besides YouTube you already mentioned, um, have you been focusing on uh, content marketing to help you grow your business and get more customers? Yeah, so we, um, my business is in the furniture category. Um, so a lot of it is um, like lookbooks, style guides, and we're actually still kind of bad at that. We don't put out nearly enough content as we do or as we should. Um, but yeah, lookbooks, um, even like size guides, like um, just kind of basic rules of proportions of what size furniture should go where. And um, that's been our like number one driving content. It's just like a size guide and a buying guide. And then from there, it's just kind of style trends um, and seasonal stuff. Cool. And yeah, that's it's... all just on our blog. Sounds like what House does kind of on their website. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's their big inspiration for me. That's cool, man. Yeah, they do a lot of that. They I, I almost focus more on the content than they do the commerce, which mm -hmm. is interesting, you know, from my yeah, perspective of like seeing Amazon, for instance. Definitely. I think if I'm not mistaken, House actually started as like a design blog and then wow. kind of switched and pivoted into e-commerce. So I think they built up a community really well before they actually even started selling. And they have a whole directory which is really interesting yeah. to see too. Yeah. Yeah. They they're crazy. Things. Yeah. They are crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's cool. Very inspirational. Um, cool, man. Yeah. Content marketing is really important. Um, you know, there's so many different things you can do. Do you, do you do affiliate marketing alongside your dropship store? I'm in the niche. Uh, not, not currently. No, I don't have really any experience with affiliate marketing. Okay. Um, what about like upsells and, and things like that? Do you upsell like white glove delivery? Do you do um, mm -hmm. extended warranties, things like that? Yeah, white glove delivery is um, the only upsell we have right now. Um, different shipping methods like that. And then um, we're actually, I'm in talks with this um, third party company to, um, to offer extended warranties that because a lot of the warranties too from the manufacturer just cover defects. And this would be more of like an accidental like insurance policy. If your chair rips or something, you get a free one or you get it repaired. Yeah, that's a great way to, uh, to, you know, make your profit margins a bit higher per order, which is mm -hmm. important. Like when you're growing an e-commerce business, it's either you make more money per order, you get more orders, you know, that kind of thing. So um, working in both directions is really good. So yeah, that's awesome. Um, when you're trying to grow your e-commerce business um, and you're selling like big products, like you're mentioning furniture, um, is freight a big deal that you have to, to mess with a lot of times or do your suppliers yeah, so do it for you? Um, most of our stuff luckily does ship UPS or FedEx, um, but the bigger stuff does ship freight and we were um, kind of having a problem with it just because it's so expensive. It takes forever and the tracking is nowhere near what people expect. Um, but there's an app on Shopify called Freight Club and it's pretty awesome. It like reduced our freight costs in half. And what they are is um, they're basically like a huge Canadian e-commerce company and they you apply and then they um, open up their rates to you. So it's a free app and they just pad their shipping costs a little bit, um, but you can go in there and create, you know, your, your bills of lading and everything like that and just send it to the supplier. Um, that's, that's been our workaround for freight costs. That's awesome, man. Uh, sounds really good. Yeah. Freight club. I'll check it out. Um, when it comes to international uh, orders, do you, do you deal internationally or do you do just uh, USA? We don't pay to advertise internationally. Um, and the main reason is just, um, the shipping is so expensive. It's usually more expensive than the actual order. Um, but every once in a while we'll get like a Canadian order that is, is doable. Um, but pretty much anytime we 
we don't have a shipping method set up. So we just ask them to call us or email us and give them a quote. Um, but yeah, that's, we don't really, we haven't hit the international market just yet. Yeah, I agree. It's a bit, it's a bit more uh, time consuming to do that too. I, I used yeah. to uh, sell bicycles online. It's, it's not too big that you need a freight company, but it's big enough to where you have a big box. And I remember making a few international sales. One of them was to Australia all the way from Los Angeles. And, um, and I had the bike in stock at my shop at the time. This is when I had a shop and the, um, the whole process to do this was like five pages long. I had to fill out like all these different international, uh, forms. And then I had to do the yeah. online and all this stuff. And the, uh, um, the amount that is worth and then doing the, um, uh, the code, I forget the, um, there's like a code you have to figure out, um, harmonized yeah. code or, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah. And then sometimes uh, a lot of times customers will go to pick it up and they're, they have to pay the taxes and duties on it and they're kind of not happy about that. But yeah, it just seems like it's, it, there's potential there, but it just, that's like a whole separate business. Now, as far as selling from the U S to Canada, there isn't so much of that, right? I mean, I've done it before. It's not as complicated as other countries. Yeah, it's not, and Shopify will usually uh, calculate everything for you, especially if there's another app called uh, Shippo um, that you can create UPS and uh, like USPS international packages, and that will create all the codes for you, the tax codes, and basically calculate everything for you. And then it's just the customer paying the duties once they pick it up. Yeah, because it's a lot of work otherwise. Cool, man. Um, so. Uh, I guess one of the last questions here is, do you do a lot with social media in your business? Do you, uh, community building in your niche, that kind of thing? Not really. Um, I would like to, but at this point, like um, I'm kind of from the philosophy of like, I don't want to be spread too thin. So right now we're still like maximizing Google shopping um, to its full potential. And then I'm hoping within the next year or so, then we can actually branch out. I'll have a bigger team and ideally have someone whose entire job is just social media. and probably a little content too. <laughs> yeah. Social media content really do go together. Yeah. For sure. That's awesome. So it sounds like if you were to recommend like one really good direction to go, it, it sounds like to me, you would talk maybe suppliers, products, and Google shopping. Does that sound right? Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. For, for high ticket dropshipping, that is specifically. Yeah. You're going to, yeah. The suppliers can really make a huge difference just about the claims process warranties. If you can actually get a hold of them because all of that's just going to reflect poorly on you. They're going to think you don't know what you're doing if you can't get an answer for them. <laughs> I agree 100% on that, man. I just actually posted a YouTube video the other day about like why you never want to work with these bad suppliers. We actually got kicked off yeah. of Amazon um, a year and a half ago because we were dealing with one really bad supplier that unfortunately was one of our best selling suppliers. And they just mm -hmm. had so many issues with product quality and, and their customer service team was terrible and their warranty process was awful. And we ended up having to take the front of all that, you know, but, um, now we just sell on Shopify, which is fine with us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, you're right, man. Dealing with dealing with suppliers is important. Understanding like the good ones to deal with and, and why you don't want to deal with the bad ones. Um, how do you make yeah. that decision? Like uh, you, you onboard a new supplier, let's say the next month you have some issues. Do you make like some sort of a call at some point um, to, to take all their products off your site? I mean, what does that process look like? Yeah, so we, so there's, um, I guess the last app I'll probably mention is Duoplane. And that's, um, it's basically an inventory management system and it it's, um, connects to Shopify and it auto sends purchase orders and everything like that. But they also set up a vendor scorecard. Um, so you can select how many days it should typically take for them to process and fulfill the order. And that kind of gives you a grade of how, how good they are at that. Um, but usually it's just hearing customer complaints. If the same customers are calling about the same brand, um, we actually had this issue with a brand that was selling really well. The margins were great. The products were great, 
but they were just kind of growing too fast and they didn't have the same resources like um, back in stock dates and stuff like that. Um, so I was like on the verge of taking all their products off the site. Um, but if you call them and you're just kind of like nice with them, they'll usually be able to work out a, uh, a system for you, especially if you have the potential to sell a lot. Um, so now basically we have just an email that we send and receive twice a week with um, a bunch of orders and products and they update us and we can update the site and customers. So I feel like there yeah. is a workaround usually before taking all their stuff off the site if it's driving you some good revenue. That's really smart to do. Having it, So it's an automatic email you send the supplier? You said twice a week? Yeah, um, it's not necessarily automatic. Um, it probably could be a lot more automated, but it's just kind of using that boomerang thing. It, it boomerangs their um, order confirmation. And if it hasn't shipped yet, then we send it to them to kind of either see when it's going to be back in stock or why it hasn't shipped yet. Yeah, that's really smart. So you, so you deal with, it sounds like you deal with a lot of customer service in Gmail, even though you use Zendesk. How does that um, work exactly? Um, the, so Gmail we use mainly for like uh, vendors and business stuff like uh, B2B. Uh, okay. um, and then because it's Zendesk, Zendesk creates a ticket for everything. So it's not really necessary to create a ticket yeah. for, you know, when is this going to ship type <laughs> of thing to his vendor. Um, but yeah, so it is it is constantly going back and forth. But Zendesk and Gmail integrate really nicely, too. So. And as far as dealing with backorders, because you said you were dealing with tons of backorders all the time, um, is there a way that you manage that process with customers, like uh, maybe boomerang the same kind of thing or there's any special? Yeah, so we do. Um, we created a custom meta field um, and I'm actually on store tasker right now that this should hopefully be automated pretty soon. But um, there's a custom meta field on the product page that will display when it's back in stock. So that will at least let the customer know that that's such a big thing is the customer doesn't want to feel ripped off. Like you're just taking their money before they even know it's out of stock. Um, so we have usually a tentative date or at least a time frame, like two to three weeks. And then um, we use an app called custom order status. So when it comes in, we'll set their order to confirmed. You can select from a drop down menu um, their order status and that will send out an automated email to them. So it's just, a lot of emails um, trying to be proactive before they reach out to us and ask, you know, what's going on? Where's my order? Um, just, yeah, keeping them updated along the way and getting it fulfilled as fast as possible. But I feel like so much goes into just being straight up and upfront with the customer and letting them know, you know, look, this is coming from China. It's going to, it can take a month. It's on a cargo ship. We don't exactly know when it's going to be here, but as soon as we get updates, we'll pass them along to you. And they seem to really appreciate that. That's great, man. Yeah, I agree. Just being upfront is usually the best thing to do. Man, you've dropped so many knowledge bombs. This is amazing. I have like a list of apps now to look out. Like, uh, Dylan, you're awesome, man. Like you're really doing some Thank big you. things over there. This is, this is really, really cool and super helpful. And for the audience, you guys watching this, definitely, definitely, definitely check out all these apps. If you're trying to scale your business, again, Dylan was talking about shopping ads are like the number one revenue source for the high ticket dropshipping um, stores. And I couldn't agree more. They definitely are backed up by email marketing, backed up by retargeting ads and stuff like that. Have your whole funnel built out. But um, all these apps are wonderful. Um, so many things we went over today um, from customer service to dealing with suppliers and freight and shipping. And man, that's awesome, Dylan. Thanks so much for being <laughs> on. Um, really, really, really cool of you. Appreciate you being here, dude. Yeah, yeah, no, thanks for having me. <laughs> all right, buddy. Well, have a good one. We'll talk later. All right, thanks. You too.